Hi, this is John Van Lunen, and you are listening to Treasures of the Outer Banks. In this podcast, we talk to people who live on the Outer Banks, and through their stories, we'll explore what makes this place so special. So if you downloaded this podcast to find out where the gold is hidden, my apologies. But if you want to meet the people we treasure on this sandbar, stick around. I'm sure you'll enjoy their stories of history, local personalities, and community. In today's episode, I had a great opportunity to talk with Sam Walker of Currituck County. Sam Walker works for OBX Today, which is kind of the mothership for several radio stations. One in particular, he has a news radio show every weekday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. That is on 92.3 WZPR. You can also find him on Twitter at Sam Walker OBX. He is a seventh generation Walker, so he's been here a long time and his family runs deep and wide. He had a great time on the show. We talked about some of the really interesting people that he's met along the way. And we talked about his start in news and radio, which was good as well. I hope you enjoy it. Sit back and have a good time. Sam, good to see you. How are you doing today? Good, John. It's good to be a hat. No, I don't talk every day on the radio. (laughs) Yeah, don't edit this out. This is where people realize we do this live. Hey, sometimes, you know what, that's the fun thing about live is if you screw it up. It's good to talk with you, John. Glad to be on your podcast. And and by the way, that's the reason why I'm not on live radio, (laughs) because I would fail in the first day. But um, yeah, I appreciate you joining me. Um, Obviously, this is one of our our, our earlier shows, uh, but you're, you're probably the perfect person to talk to because I know you come in contact with so many people based on your business. So... Uh, I'm excited to hear uh, more about uh, the people and places you've seen while you're here. Well, I, it is crazy the experiences I've had and doing this since I was, well, I mean, on the air, on the radio in northeastern North Carolina since I was 13 years old. Uh, so, I don't know, 34 years. Yeah. <laughs> it'll be 30. I know, well, actually, it'll be 35 <laughs> years this fall wow. uh, now that I think about it, uh, my freshman year in high school. But um, it has been a, a weird, a long, strange trip it has been right. for the last three decades. Perpetual evolution? Yeah, pe- yeah perpetual <laughs> evolution is a way to put it. That's a good way to put it. And, and how did you get to the Outer Banks? Uh, I was born, well, okay, so I wasn't born here. I was born in Elizabeth City. I'm a Curry Tuck native. I'm a rarity. I'm someone who grew up in the 90s and 80s and 90s from Curry Tuck that didn't leave. Right. Uh, <laughs> or I did for a little while and came back. Uh, so I'm a native, uh, seventh generation wow. native of northeastern North Carolina. Wow. That history, I mean, do you know much about that history at all? A lot of it is commercial fishing. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, my uh, grandfather was one of 13. So the Walker family has a huge branches. And, you know, we, we joke about how we're all related to each other, those of us who grew up here. We are kind of all related because we all either intermarried some way or other in Curry Tuck. Across across the sound, uh, my my dad's mom is from uh, Pasquotank County, Winslow's. So um, it's a huge family tree here. Just about everywhere I go, I'm going to run into a cousin at some point, <laughs> which is a good thing and a bad thing. Right. You might be on the side of the road with a flat tire. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But then again, everybody in Currituck County knows you, so oh, I'm you sure could, you'd get a lot of help. As a kid, you couldn't get away with anything. <laughs> and as a teenager, you couldn't. And as a 20-year-old, you couldn't get away with anything. And now, 
48, you know, being on the radio, definitely can't get away with anything. Yeah, watch what you say. Yeah, watch what you say, what you do. I, I know you know a lot of people just because uh, you're kind of the heart and soul of Kurtuck Athletics as one of their PA announcers, and you've been doing that forever. So if they don't know your voice there, mm-hmm. they know it on the radio and, and all the other stuff. So you, you, keep, you just keep spreading yourself out. They won't be able to get rid of you. No, they won't. Uh, the thing about Kurtuck, I actually have stepped away from that, and Part of that is uh, now with what I'm doing with the radio side of things is really taking, it shifted my time, my day has shifted, yeah. where many times it was I worked until 2, 3, 4 in the morning. Right. And people would hear me on the radio, well, I, you're still asleep and you're on the radio. Well, that's some of the magic that we're doing, just like the podcast, right. it kind of works the same way. Uh, but having to do now with this new talk show that I'm doing over on News Talk 92.3, uh, having to drive down here every day now and be in the studio by 6.30, that shifted things. And being able to do athletics like I've done my entire life, uh, that's, I've had to you know, make some changes. And one of the things was retiring from doing uh, PA at Curry Tuck. But it's not to say I'm not still involved in high school athletics, obviously, with your you know, officiating, uh, lacrosse. Sure. And that's one of the things, too, is just that takes up so much time. That just, you know, I want to be able to concentrate. And this crazy year, yeah. uh, with our schedules all overlapping <laughs> between football, basketball, and lacrosse now, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's going to be different. But, um, yeah, and it, that has been a fun experience uh, for me, uh, having all three kids playing sports in Curry Tuck, but then playing – whether it was you know in the foot travel football here with the baseball tournaments and being able to provide something that these a lot of these kids will never get that was one thing about doing PA for so long uh, Randy Jones the late Randy Jones one of the best officials I've ever worked with uh, as from a scores table uh, I never got the pro I actually did get the refs in basketball with some some adult league basketball now that I think about it but you know we lost Randy a couple of years ago volleyball basketball one of the best softball umpires did state championship softball uh, got the golden whistle award randy said something to me one time and it still has stuck with me to this day what i do for pa for those kids whether it was the nine-year-old football games up to the high school state uh, tournaments um a lot of these kids will never have their names announced in public in their right. lives. It's the only opportunity they might have had to hear their name announced in a large built room right. or on a PA system. And it's always stuck with me that, you know, give every one of those kids one respect, two, to do to do it to the top level. So sure. they feel make like it special. Yeah, make it special. Feel like that they are uh, you know, playing the NBA finals. Feel like they are playing the Super Bowl. That's why I've always done it that way. And I know a lot of people wish I could duplicate myself and replicate myself and do it for every school in I'd love to do that. Yeah. So that that's always been a passion of mine. I and mean, again, that goes back to being a freshman in high school at Curry Tuck at 13 years old. Same time I got on the radio, started doing PA there. So long history. Well, I'm glad you worked my daughter's basketball games because <laughs> you were probably the only person that could pronounce her name correctly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I will say this. Pronouncers for me have always been in trouble. And it's it's funny when you do that and you talk to the scorekeeper Usually I talk to the coaches. Half the time the coaches wouldn't know it. I'd just go to the kid. If you got one, you're looking at the roster, you're like, okay, I just walk out there on the court, say, all right, how do I say your name? And then spell it phonetically. Yeah. But yeah, I know you've heard that name said in so many different ways oh, yeah. around this. Even by this. their own coaches. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's not Von Lunen. We're yeah. not German. <laughs> you know? 
So yeah, we dealt with that. But you uh, obviously in your in your field, you you've met a lot of people, and you've been here forever. I mean, any few individuals you could talk about that just you know or just really have a, an amazing personality, or just make uh, you just you think of the Outer Banks and what makes this place so special? You know, I, the long career and, and so many different people that I've gone around and met, and whether it was doing the radio thing, whether it was being involved when my parents were uh, politically active, my dad ran for the state house twice. I, you know, it's it, there's uh, a few people that I have run into, but the one thing about it is everybody that's from here is special in some way. And I, and I know it sounds corny, hack, whatever, but... There's something about here that makes people different, sure. and you know it. You know when you go somewhere else and you run into somebody that whether they're from Curry Tuck or whether they're from Dare or whether they're from Hyde Counties, it is always. But there are a few people. I mean, everybody. Mark Bass Knight. I mean, obviously, you know, we lost Mark just a couple of weeks ago. Um, if you talk about someone who probably best represented us, not just in Raleigh but as North Carolinians. I, that, that he would be. And we never really got a chance to talk directly. I shifted to news uh, right at the end of his time in the legislature. So I didn't get really to do the conversation I wish I would have been able to do. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, for the last 10 years doing what I've done, uh, the way we were doing news. Um, but uh, I, there's so many. I mean, you know, we talk about the Omi Tillets, uh, you know, my love for fishing and, and those guys. Uh, all the different charter captains. Um, what, what did Mark Bassnight do that was... I, and I've heard good things about yeah. him, too. So, But what did he do that just really, you know, made him special? Here? You know what? It, it's it, it, This is no joke. and this is We've heard this story, you know, since he passed away. And so many people shared it. Whether it was the governor sharing about stopping at every country store on US-64 between Raleigh and here and getting a pack of nabs and a drink and a Diet, Diet Pepsi. That was Mark. Yeah. But that's, you know, he was doing that not just to do it, just to patronize it. He was doing it because it was a way to interact with his constituents. Sure. It was to find out what every person in this, the biggest district in North Carolina, it's bigger than the state of Connecticut. People don't realize it. it is bigger than the state of Connecticut. This first senatorial district. What, what area does that encompass? Uh, well, at the time, it went all the way to Northampton County. So it went Northampton County across the state line down to and when Mark was there, I mean, down to the uh, Beaufort County, or, or the eastern eastern Beaufort County. So you're talking about from the Pamlico <laughs> River to the state line to the Roanoke River. I mean, that district is massive. Yeah. And he made sure to stop at every country store it was. I mean, that was one of the things. My parents had one of those stores where he would go, and it wasn't just to get hooked up with them to talk about what was going on. Mom was county commissioner at the time when he was first starting in the Senate. Um, he would relate. He would take those. Take that information, talk to his constituents, take it back to Raleigh, because he knew that's what they needed. But at the same time, he knew what the entire state needed. And he was, as much as he turned on that hoi-toy accent when he needed to turn it on and talk to people, (laughs) but he turned it off when at at other times, and, you know, when it was time to get things done for the UNC system. Uh, If somebody needed something in Boone, it was just as important as somebody needed in Baumtown. So uh, that was what made Mark so special. Um, Eddie Green, uh, another person. So many of these people who were business and government leaders, that's who I was exposed to as a child. Uh, Mom and and Dad, again, because they owned a business, um, you know, 
what Eddie Green did with his life and as an example of how you should lead a life here. And so many people follow that. I mean, I think, I think about the, the Willies right next door to our studios here. Same thing. I mean, there's so many people here in, uh, in Dare County and in Corytuck that I've had an opportunity to talk to with me. They're probably the two that stand out more than anybody yeah. else. And uh, if, you were, if you were to give a tour to one of your friends, you know, there's a distant relative, they're in Ohio mm-hmm. somewhere, and they're coming down for a week, where would you take them on the Outer Banks? What special place would you show them? You know what? I would load them up, and if it was 1995, I would load them up <laughs> in my truck and drive out to Ramp 2 and go down there to the other, up underneath the Bonner Bridge. That place, because that's where I learned, my kids learned to swim in the bait pond. Yeah. <laughs> you can't do that anymore. So uh, it's now, um, it's, it's drive out to the point. There's the, that place means a lot, um, more than I can even relate without you know totally getting a blubbery mess sure um you know and that's even growing up in Cory Tuck and having Corolla and having the wild horses and you know getting married at Cory Tuck Beach Lighthouse which I wake up seeing every morning now um the 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 point driving on the beach here that's what I've always said if you're going to bring somebody from out if you have that opportunity you drive them out on the beach because it's a unique thing, but it's something, it, it, you know, it's because if you can't do it pretty much anywhere in the country anymore. I mean, there's a lot of places you still can, but it, it, that, there really is ramp to, because we, I mean, our kids learn to swim there at the Bay Pond. We spent every Sunday we could sitting there around the Bay Pond. So here's something you might know a lot about. I missed this totally because I didn't come down here until uh, 97, full time, mm-hmm. but the dirt road and duck. You got any good stories? Okay, about the dirt yeah. Road and I can, well, I can tell you this. I you know, talk about the, the you know Highway 12 being a sand road. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can tell you this. My mom is one of the people responsible for the gate that was at the county line no longer being there. Exactly. That was one of the first things she did was negotiate with Mr. Slick, who owned all the land with Audubon property, yeah. where the little airstrip is, Pine Island, when in Corolla. Yeah. He owned all that property. Between Duck, between Sanderling at the time, mm-hmm. and the village of Corolla, or well, really Ocean Sands, and you had to be a property owner to go up there until 1980. Well, early 1980s, and one of the things before she became a county commissioner was she worked. That was one of the things when she ran in 1984 was getting that open so people could have full time access to Corolla. So I can remember. Uh, I can't remember it. I mean, I'm you know born in '73, so probably at some point, uh, I when it was still before it was paved. But um, I do know pictures. But like I said, going to Corolla, you had to know somebody that lived up there. Yeah. You couldn't go across uh, through the gate where it, where the S curve is and it yeah. widens out at the county line. There was an R, there was a man gate there. So I kind of sort of remember. I don't have. Enough to say, yeah, when you had to drive through Duck and it was all sand, it was at least paved to there. But my memories are of going up to Corolla and going up there and watching and helping pull nets in at like six years old, wow. uh, pulling in mullet nets in, in the fall and, uh, and you know, having to go through the gate. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. There's a guy named Wikey Wise, mm-hmm. and uh, he's, he's a, about 80 or so. And he tells a story, and I'm going to get him on the show right. sooner or later, but he tells a story about 
the bombing range in Duck. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess they used to have sentries on the north end and the south end. They'd shut it off, let the people bomb, and then they'd open it up and let people drive through again. Well, for some reason, there wasn't a sentry on this particular day. And he was in the back seat of a station wagon or something mm -hmm. with his aunt. And they started bombing all around. <laughs> <laughs> and lived to tell about it. But right. I'm going to get him on the show, and yeah. he's going to tell that whole story, and it's going to be awesome. Oh, yeah. He would be a great one. I'm going to have to steal some of these guests you get my show. Um, okay, so we talked about some locations. That was pretty cool. Uh, what else we want to talk about? Uh, any any historical stories, um, you know, whether interesting or factual? You know, one thing that kind of runs through my mind is the the bales of marijuana that floated up <laughs> on yeah. the beaches. I mean, that's just a crazy story. But if you've got any stories, well, I'd love to hear. Yeah, that that one and, and Cap Marty, you know, who I get to work with every day now, which is, is such a great privilege. And, and he talks about that, you know, going out there and seeing bales of cocaine and bales of marijuana that were floating. <laughs> I mean, literally, you know, he grew up in Florida. Doing, you know, so you can imagine down there before he came up here seeing things like that. Um, there's legend that some people made some money off. Oh of yeah, there's plenty of legend. <laughs> I wonder uh, what the statute of limitations is on. That. Yeah, not as long as you think it is, uh, or not as short as you think it is. Uh, you know what? The, the the funniest one, probably for me, would be. Um, I, I want to always go back to the Doritos thing. Uh, you know, I remember being. Gosh, I've probably been five. Uh, you know, there's so many people who have pictures of the tanker. Yeah, that washed up at Rodanthe, and right. you know we're out there. Seven, so I've been six years old, 1979, 1978, uh, maybe even earlier than that. I'd have to go back. That Liberty ship that run. There's pictures of me pulling on the ropes. Yeah, you know, that's probably the coolest thing that I've seen here historically. Yeah. Um, obviously, being at the hundredth, the, the centennial flight. Uh, and, Did and you get to meet anybody there? Because uh, there was a lot of dignitaries there. Yeah, the, the, the I missed all the really cool dignitaries. Because <laughs> at the time I was working at stations over in Elizabeth City and had driven and got here late. And I'm not here, got, I'm sorry. Did not realize that you had to go through security. You didn't have to go through security to get to the media tent. Not knowing that the media tent was on the 158 side of the property. And I parked over at the high school yeah. went through the Secret Service security to get over there and found out I was outside the perimeter. <laughs> so I wasted an hour and a half to go through to get checked for nothing. You broke into the public. I missed all that. Well, I mean, I was, yeah, broke into it, but I mean, I just didn't know. So I missed out on getting to see everybody that came through the media tent during the centennial. So it would have been what, John Travolta. President didn't come over there. Uh, Chuck Yeager, uh, all those you know, th those folks. How amazing that was. It was a great experience uh, to, to be here for that, uh, you know, and and to, and to see it take place. It's a shame that things didn't go well with the weather. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, yeah. That we didn't get to see the, 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 the flyer actually try to fly. But that was a great experience and probably one of the coolest things we've had here. Um, but I'll tell you what, you know, even the little things, I mean, like uh, – being at last year when we commemorated the 20th anniversary of the, or the year before last, the 20th anniversary of the move of the Cape Hatteras Lighthouse. Right. Being there for that and hearing the stories, and you know, I was you know in college at that time, uh, so I wasn't here, I was over at Campbell. Um, well, no, actually, no, let me take that back. We were here, we moved back, because I remember Emily was still pregnant with Jonathan at the time. 
and I took her mom, her mom from Ohio down there to see it move. Right. So I was back here, but I'm just you know going back and remembering those things and being there with the folks who pulled that off. Yeah, um, I was I was up to my eyeballs with work in the middle of the summer when they mm-hmm. did that. But I remember there was a lot of controversy of whether or not to do it. I mean, there's there's people thinking this thing is going to fall over and oh, crumble yeah. into pieces. Yeah, both locally and around the state. I mean, Hugh Morton, a great photographer and owner of Grandfather Mountain, you know, he was one who was opposed to it. And he's one of the loudest voices you could have in North Carolina in terms of influence. Uh, and there, you know, there's another thing where people came together and realized it was the best thing to do, and it turns out it was the right thing to do, and it worked, and it was, you know, monumental. But it was a cheat. It's a it's a a credit to those guys who pulled that off. Yeah. Yeah. I just posted something on the blog site uh, at, at uh, Treasures of the Outer Banks, and it's about the Norris Baum Cemetery in mm-hmm. Nagshead Woods, and there's. A, a slave, a former slave, yeah. was buried there. Yeah. And and uh, so I posted something on a, a local Facebook page. It's called the uh, uh, Vintage Scrapbook. No, yeah, the Outermanks Vintage Scrapbook. Yeah. Which is a pretty cool, mm-hmm. you know, Facebook page. I highly recommend it. And uh, I posted a little essay, just you know, you know, just finding this place and gathering some information. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, everybody had a little story about this guy mm-hmm. in the cemetery. And added a whole lot to it, which just shows you the power of the oral history. You know, yeah. It's like, this isn't in a book. This can't be Googled, but there's people mm-hmm. here that know a lot of stuff about it. So that, yeah. that's, just, that's just amazing. And going back to your Southern Shores thing is I remember the first year I started really spending time here, more than just, you know, little vacations. And uh, I went into, you know, the, the neighborhoods in Southern Shores and realized... This looks nothing like the beach. No, <laughs> it was like I had no idea this yeah. existed. So yeah, the one story man, you don't realize. I mean, people talk about all the houses here being on stilts, and then you go back in there, and it's one story brick ranches, right? Which looks just like I said, any other part of the country. You don't realize it, except for the wind blowing forty miles an hour. <laughs> it's, you know, I mean, that's it's, the only difference. Yeah, you know, yeah. you know, and the live oaks. I love live oaks. I, the, They're pretty cool. They are. They are. It's one of those things where my my house over coins out now. I wish. I wish I could probably, I need to start planting them, and maybe by the time the kids are all, uh, you know, we've got great-grandkids, uh, they'll be up and running, uh, you know, with the way right. a live oak should look. Right. Um, right. But uh, the, that is one cool thing about, uh, that's another one of those things that people don't, you know, they see it, don't realize, you, you forget that you are, you know, on a little sandbar right. out in the middle of the ocean. Yeah. They, they definitely nestle you from the wind, too. If you live in a, a grove of wild oaks, mm-hmm. you'll never know there's a hurricane around. No, that's right. Yeah, they're designed for that. Yeah. They're, they're tough as nails. Yeah. I've, I've tried to split that wood, too. <laughs> it just will not break. No. You know? Um, so, uh, you know, you, we've had a great conversation mm-hmm. so far. If, if you were in charge of the podcast, and, you know, I might give that to you at any point in time, <laughs> but uh, um, who would you, you know, there's got to be somebody on this beach. You're you're just thinking to yourself, man. I wish we, you know, I wish I'd really love to talk to that guy, or I'd really wish I'd learn more about whatever. Well, I mean, you know, now you're just gonna start stealing my guests. <laughs> just one. Um, wow. You know what? Uh, you know something. Any of these old, I'm call them old heads, but any of these old timers, Wanchies mm-hmm. on the island. Uh, that's where you need. It. That's those are the ones. You know the oral history of the Outer Banks that we're losing yeah. every day. You know we talk about that. I mean, and there's some people who've done a great job of preserving it. The Outer Banks History Center has done a good job of preserving that. But we're getting now to that point where all those folks have all gone. I mean, we're talking about people who are my parents' age now, who have stories 
that we're not talking about the early 1900s. We're talking about the mid-1900s. And, and, you know, even up until the the bridges were open and the roads were paved, um, there's still a lot of those people around who remember that that may have been kids but or teenagers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the casino era. Um, but there's so many that's of those folks. Cool, yeah. yeah, the casino era, I mean, of the Outer Banks. That's what my, my parents, that was, you know, my dad yeah. grew up in Great Tuck. That, the casino was, that was the place that yeah. you went. Uh, and, you know, and those, those are the people that, you want to talk to because um, they're we're we're, lo- we're starting to lose them, you know. And there's a little piece of our history, uh, you know. It's funny. I'll be the foosball palace. I guess we'll be the foosball palace era of the outer place, <laughs> uh, you know, because that was our hangout. And uh, <clears throat> I guess they'll be talking to us in 40 years about that. I remember when, it was, when Tron came to you know centipede, you know that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I don't, you know, we remember Downey Park being. Not, they remember his bowling alley. I remember his video game room. Right. I mean, you know, those are those things. That that, that there, there's that group there. Um, you know, any one particular person, I couldn't just like drop a name right now. But yeah. you know, there's a lot of them. Um, you know, and and there's a lot of folks that uh, it's their parents and grand. You know, their parents. Yeah, that's who we need to be talking to right now. Right. Those are those are some uh, folks. Uh, as far as you know, what you're talking what you're talking about trying to do with this podcast. Right. Right. Okay. No. Any questions for me? No, I think that's good. I mean, it sounds like you—you know—you're getting there. Yeah, we'll figure <laughs> it out. About, the cool thing about—I will say this to wrap it up. The cool thing about podcasting is now where I started out with a tape recorder and an eight-track player <laughs> right. and, a, and a record a record uh, player. My cousin, she had a a recordable eight-track player. I mean, I mean, a recordable eight track, which was cool. So, I mean, and we call those in our business carts. That's what they were. You know, eight tracks were what the consumers had. We we use these things or just like that. There's 70 seconds of audio tape spun yeah. around in an eight track. It's the same shape, same same concept. But that's what I got started with at six, seven years old, playing radio and <laughs> reading, right, mode commercials, uh, and had the opportunity to start in that era with records and magnetic tape and razor blades and grease pencils and cart machines uh, to go into CDs. I mean, I was in radio uh, at the beginning, you know, the, in the in the late 80s, not really working in the studio. I mean, really the first time I got working in the studio was in college. We were, we were taught to do all that. But we came in when the digital uh, era started with radio and be able to digitally edit. And then, you know, now, of course, we're in 2021 with podcasts which is how radio is another way we're evolving. Yeah. You know, it's because, I mean, honestly, commercial radio still works. And, and over the air, over FM, over even AM still works. It's still the primary form of communication that when something happens, we're here to be able to do what, you know, to tell people what's going on. I mean, you know, you know it. Everybody here knows it. When the power goes out, where do they go? They're coming to our radio stations. Right. Because we're going to be on the air. We got a generator. We've made sure that we're on the air. We got a generator here. Got a generator transmitter. We're going to make sure. But that's the cool thing about podcasts to go from we're sitting in our B twenty hundred and four studio right now to go from all these mics set up and all this wiring to be able to literally plug in two mics into a computer yeah. and talk for an hour. That's the coolest thing ever, and it's great that I'm I've been fortunate enough to be in this era where I can do that. 
and now everybody can do it. So they get to have that experience that I had as a kid and how much I love radio. Right. And, you know, I've had opportunities to do TV, still get some opportunities to do TV right now, every now and then. It's not really for me. I mean, I, I got a face for radio. I, mean, I <laughs> proudly admit I got a face and body type for radio. But more people getting to experience, and that's what's cool about the podcasting now, is that everybody's getting a chance to be able to do their radio, do radio and not have to have the booming DJ, the radio DJ right. voice to do it. It's 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 really cool to be a part of this. Right. Well, you know, I'm not a big speaker, but I enjoy listening to all the stories. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I appreciate your time. Yeah. Thanks for uh, taking the time out to talk to me. Of course. Thanks, John. You bet. I want to thank Sam Walker for taking the time out of his schedule to talk with me for Treasures of the Outer Banks. I thought we had a great conversation. Uh, I learned a lot about his beginnings and some of the interesting people that he's met along the way. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed it as well. If you did, stop by treasuresoftheouterbanks.com, leave a comment, leave your email. We can send you some more information about how you can keep up with us. I hope to get another episode out here as soon as possible so that you can enjoy more of Treasures of the Outer Banks. Have a great day.